know that tonight, but in prayer, I was inspired, man. God dropped something in my spirit, and I, you know, I jot it down usually on my phone. I put the notes down, and I say, you know what? What a good sermon to preach. And I said, I got to type this up. Like right now, type it up right now. And so I went in my office, and uh, I typed it up. <laughs> it's probably the fastest I've ever written a sermon, amen. Trust me, I was desperate. And so uh, it is without a doubt a Sunday night sermon because it is very challenging. And so I knew I couldn't preach it Wednesday. I knew I couldn't preach it Sunday morning. Uh, and I didn't want to wait till next Sunday night. So I figured if God was helping me, then God wanted to say something, amen, to you and I. And I better put it to paper and listen to him. The only thing is, is that uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, when I first took over this church, I was told by your former pastor, oh, man, these people are used to hard preaching. I said, okay, cool. And so, you know, I'm always hesitant, like, man, you know, I don't, I, I don't like leaving here feeling like, you know, I'm scolding you or complaining or anything like that. Amen. I want to challenge and inspire you. Amen. But this is going to be one of those where uh, your former pastor told me you can take it. And so, amen, I, I'm going to challenge you tonight. Amen. But understand, amen, it is with a heart of love and concern. And without a doubt, amen, this is from God. God told me what to put down. You got a problem, you got a problem with him. Amen. But I'm going to, amen, uh, preach this and believe God, amen, to move for us. You know, back in the day, there was an age of the battle for Jesus. And this was uh, typically lowriders who had gotten saved uh, and they'd been touched by God, and amen, you would see them. They still had, amen, their dickies on, their wife beaters, uh, their hats, and their shit. And they were literally vato locos for Jesus. And amen, it's almost as if there was a transformation on the inside, but it didn't follow through all the way to the outside. It's almost as if there was just a partial transformation. Yeah, some time back, amen, probably a year or two, someone sent me a video. And it was of a young man, without a doubt, on fire for God, loves God, loves Jesus. But this guy was an old breakdancer or something, slash a, a previous gang member. And he's playing, amen, this music that I grew up to. And uh, he's uh, basically reading the Bible while this music is playing. Uh, and uh, he's so uh, fired up for Jesus. Uh, he puts the Bible down and he starts popping and breakdancing. And, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and he's doing all. Uh, and, you know, churches were, wow, man, look at this guy. And so big churches will have this guy come to their church. And, well, why don't you do some of those moves, man? And, and breakdance in front of everybody. And basically. Amen. This guy literally just became some sideshow freak, something to laugh at, something to giggle at, some uh, a mutation of a Christian. Because there's uh, somehow this belief that, hey, God can change the inside, but I don't really have to fully transform. I don't have to fully change. I can still keep a whole lot of the old me. I just kind of have a little Jesus added in. And we'll just mix this together. And, you know, we could pop together or vato locos for Jesus, man, and still have this kind of attitude. But I'm here to tell you, you and I have been called to represent the Lord, amen, both in the inside and the outside. That, amen, God has called us to change through and through. 
I want to preach, amen, a message tonight I've entitled, Don't Be Ghetto, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because the reality is, church, it's so easy to be a Christian and yet, amen, still have a lot of this ghetto in you. A lot of the old ways still operating, the old mindsets, the old habits, the old approaches in life. And not really, amen, allowing God to change you through and through and bring you along and be something more than just some sideshow freak, something to laugh at. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read, amen, the word of God. We're going to believe God to help us and to change us, amen. The Bible says this, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, then... We are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. that We might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, remove the unrighteousness, O God, that clings to us. Help us, God, to be righteous before you. Help us to bear, oh God, the righteousness of Christ. Lord, help us, amen, to be good, excellent, holy representatives. God, that we may glorify your holy name. All this we ask you in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. I want to first look at, with you tonight at ambassadors. Now, as an ambassador, you have to understand that you and I are representing, amen, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, amen. And a representative is literally people who would stand in place of, with a certain amount of authority, amen, to act or to speak, to be a symbol, amen, for a higher authority. And church, you and I have been chosen, you and I have been handpicked by God to represent Him here on earth. You and I have been given authority. You and I have been given, amen, uh, all that is needed in order to act and to speak, uh, to be, amen, a symbol, amen, on the earth uh, for him. The problem is that with ambassadors is that they don't always do a good job of representing, amen, that higher authority, but they don't, amen, realize that, amen, that they're doing a poor job of it, that it is, amen, their poor representation, doesn't reflect bad on them, but they have to understand that when they represent poorly, they're representing, amen, that higher authority in a poor way. Do you realize that the world can't see Jesus? You know, there was a song back in the day, don't look at me, look at him. And it was a Christian song, and that's the most stupidest thing that you could ever say. Duh, they can't see Jesus, but they could see you. 
They could see him in you, but this was a cop-out as if, well, don't expect me, amen, to live a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, amen. I want to do whatever I want to do. If you want to see Christ, will you go look at him? Don't look at me. What a cop-out. That God, amen, has put you and I to be ambassadors, to be representatives here on earth, uh, to represent him, amen, in act and in speech, uh, amen, as a visible symbol to a lost and darkened world uh, so that they can see him, but they see him through you. Face and the name is important. The children were of Israel were chosen by God to be his representatives on the earth. They were his face. They carried his name. But yet they did such a horrible job, didn't they? So what did God do? God moved on to the Gentiles, to the church, you and I. And he says, I want you to represent me. I handpicked them, and I dealt so much with them, and I challenged them, but yet they would consistently botch it. They would consistently do a poor job of representing me to the world. Therefore, I will turn to you, Gentiles, and I will convert you. I will transform you through and through. And will you represent him? And with that challenge, amen, and that revelation that God, amen, has without a doubt picked you and I to be his ambassadors, amen, since the children of Israel did such a poor job. My question to you is this, or you should be at least asking yourself, how well of a job do you think you've been doing at representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? If you were to grade yourself or if someone else was to grade you, let's say your co-worker, and amen, would you go to them and say, I want you to grade me on how I represent Jesus here. What would they say? What kind of markers, amen, would they mark on your grading paper? Would they leave good reports or would they say bad, terrible things about you as a representative of Christ? Philippians 1.27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit uh, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And what Paul is saying here is that this is a serious role. Don't take this lightly. Your conduct, amen, is important. Your conduct, amen, speaks far more, amen, than your words. And people are watching you. People are paying attention to you. People are looking to see what you will do. I'm ashamed to say, amen, this as I am transparent with you. We were in Subway there in Austin some time back. And, you know, in Austin, they have a bit of a, a homeless problem, amen. There are a bunch of people living everywhere, intense, amen. And, you know, we're there having to eat in the parking lot. We couldn't eat in the restaurant. And outside, there was a group of these homeless people, and they're all on drugs. You could tell they're on drugs. They're falling over. They're doing drugs out in the open in broad daylight, uh, and they're doing silly things. 
And we're just watching this as we're eating. And part of us are astonished that like, wow, nobody's doing anything. This is just normal behavior. But yet when we got back to the shop, my partner says, yeah, me and Oscar are watching these people. Hey, man, they were all messed up doing drugs. And all this kind of activity was going around. And one of us said, wow, did, did you go tell them about Jesus? Now, he was being a mocker. Amen. But yet it so convicted me because why didn't I do that? That here are these men paying attention to really what kind of man of God am I. And instead of just sitting with them laughing ha -ha, or astonished at what's going on. Why am I not representing, amen, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My Jesus, my Christ, the way I ought to be representing him. It's a serious role. Whether we look at the patriarchs, the priests, the prophets, or the kings, all of them would have had the understanding, amen, uh, that they are in line or have been handpicked uh, by God, amen, to represent Him in some way, form, or fashion. And yet we know as students of the Bible that that wasn't always the case, that many of them, amen, did a very poor job at it. That they didn't fulfill that role the way they ought to because they didn't take it seriously. 2 Kings 23, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebuda, the daughter of Padiah and Ruma, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Here's a king who understood exactly the lineage, exactly who he was, amen, supposed to be representing, and yet... With all of that understanding, he's doing evil. He's still doing evil. So let's talk secondly at the challenge to change. How many would agree with me that improvements are needed? What are you talking about, Pastor? You know, you're saying something about me? Yeah, I'm saying something about you and me and all of us. Amen. You know, this building next door, how many know that it, it would have functioned? It had been functioning in the state that it was. Why do we have to pull out the toilets? You know, they flush. You know, why do we have to, you know, replace the walls? They're already up. You know, why do we? And you could, we could have walked in there. Everything, lights functioned. Amen. Somehow, some way they functioned. And, you know, and, you know, hey, you know, why not? Just because it's a poor representation of our God. That's why. Because we can't allow people to go in there and be like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, okay, yeah, you're, you're children of God. Whoa. Wow. Now, we cannot do that. And therefore, yet it functions, but it is a poor representation. It needed to be changed. And just like that, can you look in the mirror and start taking some personal inventory? Yeah, you might function. Yeah, amen, the, uh, things might flush and the light might turn on. And uh, there might be some walls. Yeah, they might have some holes in it. But hey, there's walls, man, you know. And uh, uh, there might be some things in your But hey, man, can you understand that perhaps maybe God wants some things to be changed? Amen. That there's some things that can be improved? There's some things, amen, without a doubt, can represent him a little better. First Peter chapter 1, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, rest, your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ 
as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Need I say more, church? That the challenge here is not just to be religious. That the challenge there is you need to tra be transformed. We, we need to change. And God, amen, is challenging you and I to change things in our lives for the better. And as, amen, we do so, we represent him better as children of God. So I want to give you some areas of change. These are just some helpful hints. Just something, you know, you could fill your notebook with and say, hmm, you know, maybe, you know, I, maybe I'll think about doing that. And I could represent him better. And this is just some random things that God dropped on me as I was praying. Number one, you ready? Clean your house. Don't be ghetto. Clean your house. It has to do with the ghetto mentality. Clean your house. Cleanliness is holiness. And if your house is a mess, shame on you. Because that is not being holy. And when you just, when you, ah, who cares, man? It's a, there's mold growing, you know. Ah, you know, just, yeah, we don't breathe that often in this room, you know. Uh, Listen to me. Don't be ghetto. You can have a lot of the oh, cockroaches running around. Oh, you know, that's Charlie. That's man, my pet. Ha ha ha. Hey, you are laughing, man. Like, oh, yeah, you know. Oh, look, there goes, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse, whatever, you know. Hey, you got names for them, man, you know. Hey, you know don't be ghetto. You're saved, man. You're a son, a daughter of God. Don't be that way. Do you know that you're royalty? You're royalty. Act like you're from the royal courts, not the San Juan courts, man. Number two. Cook. Cook some meals. You know what's ghetto? Is that you have people that you don't want to cook. Go to McDonald's, get a 50-piece nugget uh, and fries. You know, you know how ghetto that is? You know how ghetto that is? I'm serious, man. Rappers everywhere. That's the way you want to live. It's just fast food. Fast food, fast food. Because you're lazy. You don't want to cook. You don't want to go to the store, buy the food, uh, and go home and cook. You're being lazy. Hey, Pastor, you know, why are you picking on us women? I don't men cook, too. I thought Leo was cooking the other day. I called him, amen. I thought I heard sartén as he was hitting the tub, amen, with something. I thought I heard, like, the sartén. All right, I got one, I got one for the men or the ladies, amen. Cut the grass. Oh, my God. And all the ladies, amen, man, preach. Tell them, pastor, you know, cut the grass. 
You know, there's something wrong, amen, when uh, you can't even see the dog running around outside. He comes out like a lion out of the wilderness, you know, National Geographic's coming. What the heck is going on back here, man? All kinds of creatures living back there. You don't even want to cut the grass anymore because you know there's things living in there. You're so scared, man. We don't get all that looks. And yet your neighbors see you all coming out. I got to go to church with your sacate that high, man. Embarrassed. I see it, but well, you know, who cares? I'm busy. High, the grass high that big, man. And then you want to go over there. Hey, you want to go to Bible study? You want to come over to my house for Bible? I'll get lost in your yard, man. I'll never make it to the front door. They're not going to go over to your house. Number four. <laughs> God gave me this list. Repair the broken. So many broken things that we're all, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got to fix that. Yeah. Wow, when did that happen? Oh, that was like three years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll get to it. Two years, okay, yeah, two years ago, one year. You know, our shower, man, I'm guilty of this. Our shower doors, we have a glass door, right? And so uh, I don't really like it because it's glass. Anyways. And, uh, you know, there was always a tornillo, man, that would only last so long. And then it comes out, and the door would, oh, you got to put it back on and try to. And so, you know, now that I've been working on doors, I know how to fix it, right? So I said, I got you now, sucker. You've been tormenting me all these years. I got in there, and now it closed. Now I'm used to, like, like having a, and, and I was like, click. Like, oh, wow, that's the way it's supposed to work. Hey, man, uh, okay, well, I fixed it. And there are things in your home that is like unfinished projects, things broken. I mean, listen to me, that's get home. That's not right. There's something very wrong with that mentality. It's a poverty mentality. Oh, yeah, it broke, who cares, whatever. Step over it, you know. And nobody does anything about it. Ten people living in the house. Not one, not one person could do something about it. Fix what's broken. Or throw it away, man. <laughs> oh, you know, if you go connect it and hold the foil, then, you know, it's going to work. Uh, get some pizzas and you could turn on the oven, you know. And uh, that's ghetto, man. Fix it or get rid of it. Get something else. But don't be ghetto. Well, you know, I don't really have to buy another one. If you just stick a screwdriver right here, you know, uh, it might shock you a little bit, but it works, you know. And uh, Fix it. Number five. Here we go. Are you ready? Dress the part. Everybody looks nice. You come to church. But sometimes I wonder, what the heck is going on with so-and-so? You come in and, I mean, dear Lord, I don't even recognize who you are sometimes. I mean, I look and, and there ain't no paint. Ain't no brush touch your head. Probably no water either. And you're wearing baggy clothes probably like five times bigger than you are. I, hey, but uh, 
here to, I'm here to do this. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's like, who? listen to me. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God, man. Dressed apart. Don't be ghetto. I don't know where you get that from. I really don't. But there be, ought to be some sort of conviction that I'm going to leave this house. I'm leaving this house as a daughter of God. Let me look like a daughter of God. And not like, amen, I'm leaving. Like I said, the courts over here on the west side. And I just come and ah, you know, go buy me a pack of rolling papers or something, man. That's the way you look. Ghetto. Dressed apart. Is that okay to say? Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Put some paint on the barn, man. You would help out tremendously. Number six. <laughs> change your speech. You got to change the way you talk. You can't keep talking like you used to talk. You can't keep talking like that, cussing and oh man, what, hey, what the, you know, and uh, hey, we came over here, man, and you know, hey, that's not you anymore. You've been saved now for years. Get rid of man that ghetto out of you. I say, yeah, I might have been raised in the south side or the west side or the east side or whatever, amen, ghetto place you came from, but that's not you anymore. Don't be ghetto. And that somehow, well, I, you know, I'm real and I don't want to lose my identity. And you know, I want to say, I'll tell it like it is, vato. No, man, change. Change your speech. They try to change Daniel's speech. I'm not going to change. You're not going to change my name. I got to say true to who I am. I am a representative of God. I'm not going to allow the world to change who I am. Don't revert back to the old ways. Don't talk that way. I was so convicted because I got a problem. I say dude a lot when I'm wrong. Hey, what's up, dude? You know, and I'm like, why do I say that? I'm not one of the guys. Hey, dude, what's up? You know, no, man. Change how you talk. Be different. Next one. You ready? Oh, man. Discipline your kids. You know, ghetto people don't discipline their kids. They just let them run around and do whatever the heck they want. And you know what they become? They become little taggers. Because you put all these colors in their hands and they're riding all over the place. Doing whatever they want to do. All kinds of places. And you never dare spank them. You don't discipline them. Listen to me. Bear County will discipline them if you don't discipline them. You're raising little ghetto people like you are being ghetto with them. Discipline your kids. That's why you have all these people coming out of the courts acting the way they act. Because no one ever put one into their behind. I said, hey, change your character. Change your attitude. Change your actions. Boom. And when you don't discipline your kids, as the Bible says you should, you are acting ghetto. Next one, discipline yourself. I can't reach, Pastor. I try, you know. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Not hitting yourself. I'm talking about being disciplined, reigning some appetites and lusts in. Being disciplined about being where you're supposed to be. Doing what you're supposed to do. Knowing that if you're a leader, then be a leader. Don't be a bad leader. Don't be a poor leader. That, amen, if God has put something on your plate, then represent him well. And stop, amen, being undisciplined in your character or in your actions. Because that's being ghetto. That's not being a child of God. You're not representing him correctly. Oh, I know you're going to love me. I, we'll probably have zero CD sales, but that's okay. Sis, back there, don't worry about it. Number nine, I preached on this, pay your bills. I'm not going to take a long time on this, but you have to pay your bills. Don't be ghetto. I had a friend who told me that he used to work for errands. He was a big guy. Big guy. Hey, man, even in high school, we were like, dude, are you like 30? You know, because he just was like ridiculously huge, and, and, and he looked old. Like there was no way he was a teenager. And uh, he got a job working for errands as a collector. And this big old guy would come and knock on your door. And he said people would want to fight him. And here he's like, man, I don't want to fight you for your corchones, man. You know, I'm just here to collect them, you know. And so either pay me or give me the stuff. You know how embarrassing that is? Embarrassing, amen, if they're coming to collect your stuff. Because you don't want to pay it. Pay your stuff. Pay your bills. Don't be ghetto. Number 10, expect nothing for free. Expect nothing for free. The problem with our world today is they want everything for free. Well, people need to provide me a cell phone. They need to provide me health insurance. They need to provide me a free check every month. They need to provide me this. They need to provide me that. That is a ghetto mentality. Don't expect nothing for free. Work hard for what you want. Give yourself, discipline yourself sacrifice but don't expect it for free 11 don't act like a victim well i would you know i would do all that but you know uh, you don't know what i've been through you don't know what's going on in my life you don't know what it is to be you know uh, part of the san juan courts i was actually from the san juan courts you know and i and oh pobrecito you Listen to me. Nobody wants to go to your pity party. As a matter of fact, when you complain, nobody really cares. They don't. That statistically shows that people, <laughs> I got enough problems going on. I don't need to hear all oh, you dumping everything on, oh, wee, 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 woo, hoo, hoo, wah, wah, wah. And the fact is, is that just stop acting like a victim and start doing something about what you know you ought to do. Number 12, <laughs> I told you it was going to be a Sunday night sermon, amen. Last but not least, be responsible. Be responsible. I, not much of a Jordan Peterson fan, like so men are all have this bromance with him. He does say a lot of good things, interesting things, manly things, and I see why a lot of men are attracted 
in a manly way, like, oh, you know, like, yeah, tell it, you know, tell that feminist, you know, something. And I see that, why? But he has an interesting quote. He says, look for the biggest thing and carry it. And he's talking about being responsible. And I thought, you know what? That's a powerful way to think. He said, I'm not going to shy away from something simply because it's difficult. I'm not going to be irresponsible simply because something is hard or heavy to bear. He says, as a man, especially as a man, I'm going to look for the heaviest thing and I'm going to carry it. And I'm going to feel the weight of responsibility. I'll be responsible for this. That instead of shying away, that you say, no, I'm a child of God and I'm not going to ask for a lighter burden. I'm going to ask for a stronger back. And God will give me the ability that I need to bear the responsibility that I have chosen to lift. Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. You may know how you ought to answer each one. Walking and talking the way we ought to. As children of the living God. As representatives of him. I need to close and talk to you lastly about walking thou perfect. When you walk perfect before the Lord, there is a joy in knowing that God has your back. That when you are doing your absolute best to represent him. You will have a joy in knowing that God is pleased with your efforts and that he is walking side by side with you, helping you in those efforts. Because in your mind, in your heart, you are considering every decision based upon your relationship with him. Therefore, your conduct will be holy and it will be pleasing to the Lord. Genesis 17 tells us, Abram is 99 years old. They say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And yet God goes to Abram, a man, no doubt, set in his ways at 99 years old. And God appeared to him. And listen, amen, to the verse. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless or be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him. Isn't that amazing church? That when a person makes up their mind. God I will walk before you. And with every effort of every step, I will do my best to be thou perfect before you. I will consider my conduct. I will not act, amen, as previously, amen, as I have behaved. I will change my outlook and my ways. And with that, I will know that you are walking with me and that I can hear your voice. Because you are beside me in my every effort in every day. I have a story here that I want to conclude with, and uh, it's one of Miss Edna's stories. I read two of them this morning, Miss Edna. This is the third one. And I end with this, amen, as my closer, amen, and I, 
I want you to open up your heart, amen, and understand what I'm trying to say. It's called the bamboo tree. Said a man got frustrated with life. Despite all the hard work and effort, failure was all that he had learned. Feeling defeated with life, he left everything and exiled himself in the woods. There he met a hermit. The disappointed man shared his failure with the hermit. Give me one good reason not to quit, he pleaded the hermit. Look, the hermit said, pointing towards the two plants. Do you see that fern and bamboo there? Yes, the man nodded. When I planted that fern and the bamboo seeds, I took very good care of them. I gave them water, light, and fertilizer. Within a short period of time, the fern grew quickly from the earth. The hermit continued, but despite the bamboo seed being watered and nurtured for years, it did not outwardly grow as much as an inch. In fact, nothing at all happened in the first year. There was no sign of growth, but I did not give up on the bamboo seed and continued to water and nurture it. By the fifth year, a tiny sprout emerged from the earth, and within six months, the tree grew a hundred feet tall. <laughs> that was like the perfect time my phone is astonished <laughs> so <laughs> I gotta change my message tone sorry within six months the tree grew a hundred feet tall so did the bamboo tree lie dormant for years only to grow exponentially in the fifth the hermit asked baffled by the question the man kept quiet the answer is quite obvious the little tree was growing underground developing a root system strong enough to support its potential for outward growth in the fifth year and beyond had the tree not developed a strong foundation it would not have sustained its life as it grew did you know that all the time you had been struggling, you were growing strong roots, remarked the hermit. The man learned his lesson that day, and he learned the value of his persistence and hard work. Now, I read that because without a doubt, there are people in this room, listen to me, you're saying, Pastor, I hear you, but listen to me, I've tried. I've tried, I've tried, and I don't see it. I don't see nothing happening. And you know what? I've given my best, and I've tried to live for God, and it seems like nothing's growing, everything's the same, nothing's happening. As if your efforts are somehow wasted, somehow bearing no fruit, amen, and producing absolutely nothing. There's nothing sticking out of the ground. And you've grown tired. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. But all the while, amen, as the story says, there are things, amen, that are growing underneath, grounding you. Listen to me. You will not be a successful Christian if the Lord tarries 30, 40 years from now, if you don't start trying now. If you don't start growing, amen, a strong conviction a root system that says i can't keep being this way i got to change i can't i gotta be the right ambassador representative of god 
that as you try, even though you might not be growing up this way, there are still things that are growing and grounding you and helping you. Because one year, something's going to happen, and boom, you're going to explode in growth and fruitfulness. But it is that root system that will keep you in place. As all the things in life, and things will get worse in our world, but you will be strong enough to withstand them all. Simply because you made up your mind a long time ago not to stop trying. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Don't be ghetto. On no one